Got a good video for you to watch. Hi, my name is Rick Karen, and this is the great little dog, Jilly. We're going to do a card trick for you today. Card trick involves a regular deck of cards, a magic bag that's completely empty, and Jilly dog. A five-pound Yorkshire Terrier that's the only dog in the world to play poker. Alrighty, we start the card trick by opening up the deck. Shuffle it a little bit. We fan the deck. And give Jilly a chance to think about it for a second. We'll pick a card. Come on, you got it. Pick a good one. Alrighty. Jilly picked the six of hearts. That's a good one, Jilly. We place that right on top of the deck. Top of the deck. We shuffle the deck. Ask Jilly, please get the box. Good <laughs> girl. We place the deck in the box. We carefully close the box like such. We place the box with Jilly's card in the magic bag. Get the box. Get the card. And does she have it? You did it. Give me five. Yeah, girl. <laughs> Have your Bibles. Let's hold them up. I'm a child of God. I have in my hand the powerful Word of God. It can change lives, heal broken hearts, save man's soul. Here's our prayer. Lord Jesus, today, speak to me. In Jesus' name, amen. You might wonder, why in the world did you show us that video? Well, I've just got to tell you, we're going to talk about prayer. Does prayer really do any good. Oftentimes we view prayer as a magic formula and we can say abracadabra and poof, there's our answer. Just like the dog pulled out that six of hearts right out of that magic bag. What an abracadabra moment. Thanks Dan for making that happen. We were, we were striving trying to figure out how to get that on there. So We're at our fourth message in our series on life. We've talked about how can I be sure of God's direction? How can I forgive others? How can I forgive myself? By the way, any of these previous messages that you want, we're working to get them online on our website so you can hear them. Also, there'll be an outline there for you. But in the meantime, if you want any of these messages, let me know. Very few people do, but if you do, I'll, I'll make sure that you can have it. Today, we're going to talk about does praying really do any good? Some people will tell you that the magic formula for getting prayers answered is just being good enough. How many of you believe that? Just being good enough, you're going to get those prayers answered. Others think that belonging to a certain church or lighting enough candles or saying enough prayers is the key to getting God to answer. All these teachings make God into some sort of a cosmic Santa Claus. If we do these things, then God must respond the way I want Him to. It's like with our dog, Lizzie. If I scratch her on the belly, she will lay there on her back as long as I will scratch her belly. She loves that. When I stop, she finally raises her head and cocks her eye and looks at me like, why have you quit? Sometimes we think God's that way. If we just scratch Him just right, boy, He's going to respond to us. You see. It's as if people think there's an obligation clause 
tucked deep down in the Old Testament somewhere that says if you do certain things, God is bound to answer your prayer even if it runs contrary to what He really wants to do. He being God. It's as if God might say, well, I didn't want to do that, so I, I guess I have to now. You think God would respond that way? Others will tell you that the magic formula is the amount of faith that you have. If you have enough faith, you can ask anything and you will receive it. The next verse in their magic formula or that verse that they use in that magic formula is the, the words of Jesus that says in John 14, whatever you ask in my name, I will do it so that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask me anything in my name, I'll do it. So the abracadabra in these verses is the, is the name Jesus. If you pray that in the name of Jesus, pray anything in the name of Jesus, He's under obligation to give it to you. But life shows us that God doesn't always work that way. Have had blue lights in our rearview mirror, and as we've pulled over to the side of the road and the officer has gotten out of the car to walk up to us, we have said this quick prayer, Lord, may this officer be coming to my window to compliment me on my safe driving. In Jesus' name. Usually doesn't happen, does it? It's always dangerous to take verses out of context and lift one or two. And, and this particular verse in John 14 is really no exception. It's, it's kind of like scattering a jigsaw puzzle on a table, grabbing one piece, putting it in the middle of another table, and go, I know exactly what the picture is. Now, it helps to have the front of the box there too. You know what I'm saying? But if you didn't have any of that, it'd be interesting to kind of make that happen, and it's really difficult to do. But understand that a person's name in the in the Scripture held great importance, especially to Jewish people. It was more than a name. It was a statement of who that person was. It was that person's essence. Jesus means salvation. So to pray something in Jesus' name means that you are praying in accordance with who He is at His very core. You're in agreement with His character. It certainly doesn't mean that Jesus is obligated to grant your request, especially if that request is selfish. In the very next verse in John 14, I gave you 13 to 14, verse 15 in John 14 says this, If you love Me, you will keep My commandments. And that's about Jesus, not about our selfish words. You will keep my commandments. So the context is best explained by John, the author, when he wrote in 1 John 5.14, Now this is the confidence we have before Him. Whenever we ask anything according to His will, He hears us. Our request should align itself with what Jesus is about at His very core. So why pray? Why pray? If we can't sway God, what's the use? Some call that, and that attitude is called fatalism. It's like we're hurtling down the road of life and we're in one of those cars at the amusement park. You remember those that you'd get in and you'd push the gas pedal and it'd take off and you could steer all you wanted to, but you could only go this far or this far or this far because it has this, this heavy metal beam running down under the car and the car doesn't jump off of that? 
But boy, you turn that wheel, you can go. It's great for kids because they can just turn that wheel all they want to and it won't go anywhere. It'll only stay on, it'll go as far as that bar is and that's as far as it goes. If God has everything all calculated and figured out, then what's the real use in us praying? I think those questions sometimes make assumptions that are invalid. In fact, the Bible indicates that God has changed his mind at times. He once granted a man named Hezekiah an extension of 15 years to his life when Hezekiah prayed in 2 Kings chapter 20. There are abundant examples of God answering prayers. Once when Simon Peter had been arrested and was in jail, there were folks praying for him, remember? It says in Acts 12 that he was sleeping between two guards and there were sentries posted at the door. God awakened Peter and he walked out of there untouched. Chains fell off his arms, chains fell off his legs, and he walks out, the door opens, and he walks out right in front of him, walks in. The guards are asleep. They never hear any of the commotion. The truth is that prayer changes things. It's like the college student who wrote his parents. Dear folks, I feel miserable because I have to keep writing for money. I feel ashamed and unhappy to have to ask for another hundred dollars. Every cell in my body rebels. I beg on bended knee that you forgive me, your son Marvin. P.S. I felt so terrible I ran after the mailman who picked this up in the mailbox at the corner. I wanted to take this letter and burn it. I prayed that I could get it back, but it was too late. A few days later, he received a letter from his father and it said, Your prayers were answered. Your letter never came. <laughs> Two great quotes up here as we go into our outline. Corey Tinboom, is prayer your steering wheel or your what? Spare tire. Hey. Second one. To be a Christian without prayer is no more possible than to be alive without breathing. Amen. So true, so true. So true, so true. What are some lessons we can learn from prayer? Let me give you about three or four. Number one, not every prayer is answered the way we want. Not every prayer is answered the way we want. I love the Bible because there's stuff in there you'd never expect. I mean, if this was a novel, if this was a novel, you'd have the hero getting his way every time. But in the Bible, there are some biblical superstars who didn't have their prayers answered the way they wanted. I want to give you some examples. The first one, David. David prayed for his infant son to live in uh, 2 Samuel chapter 12 and verse 16, and it didn't happen. Look at this verse. David pleaded with God for the child. He fasted and went into his house and spent the nights lying on the ground. In fact, as David continued to pray, he received word that his infant son had died. But he was praying all along for his son to live, and he's the man after God's own heart. He's the king of Israel. You'd think he had a little bit of favor with God. But he was by no means perfect. But he had a wonderful relationship with the Lord, yet his prayer was the way that he had hoped. Another is Paul. Paul prayed that a physical ailment that he had be taken away. The Bible tells us that he prayed to be healed several times, but it never happened. I bet Paul gave God some good reasons why it should be taken away. I bet Paul said, hey, I could do so much more with, with, without this uh, infirmity. I bet he said a lot of things, but it just didn't happen. 
The Bible tells us that whatever plagued him was really painful. Some believe it was his eyes or it was an eye issue. Others think that it might have been some severe headaches brought on by malaria. But Paul prayed in his prayer, and his prayer was answered, but not in the way that he had hoped. Look at 2 Corinthians 12 and verse 9. It says, by, but this, God's answer was, by grace is all you, my grace is all you need, for my power is greatest when you are weak. I am most happy then to be proud of my weaknesses in order to feel the protection of Christ's power over me. Wow. Wow. Now here's an example of a guy who had a great relationship with the Lord. Someone who had great faith and was willing to offer his life for Christ who didn't get what he asked for. My experiences in life line up with these biblical superstars. Not every prayer that I've prayed has been answered. I mean, after all, I'm the, I'm the pastor. As Dan calls me, I'm the holy man of God. I've always wanted letters by my name, so now I'm the hamag, the holy man of God. That's just akin to smog, I think. Hamag. Sounds good, doesn't it? These, these Muslims are called imams. What's that? Spell with an I. I'm, I'm am. I'm from Texas. <laughs> he's an I'm am. wonder if he's a little funny. No, you know what I'm saying. But I'm a, I'm a hamog. So the next time you address me, don't call me Brother Harold or Pastor. Just say, Holy Man of God. And I'll appreciate that. Oh, please. But you see, sometimes we think because we are who we are that God's going to answer our prayers the way we want to pray just because of who we are. I don't believe I've ever met a more godly woman than I, than I have in my life other than Marlene Resett. Some of you remember Marlene. Marlene was as godly a woman as I've ever been around. Loved everybody. She had agape love for everybody. It didn't matter. Battling cancer for 14 years, her greatest desire was to see her grandson Chandler be born and then have some time with him and, and God granted her a few years he granted her a few years before cancer took her but listen folks we prayed for her we prayed for her in this church she came forward at least two different times and asked the leaders of the church to anoint her with oil with which we did right here in the front of our church and we prayed we prayed for her healing we prayed from head to toe for complete healing for Marlene but she died and I'm telling you it's bothered me over the years that I prayed that prayer. People from our church went to our house and prayed over her, but she died. I know I wanted that prayer to turn out the way I wanted it to turn out. I wanted her complete healing from head to toe. I wanted cancer to be eradicated from her body, and we were just going to turn her loose to be an evangelist, because I'll tell you, she would have, she would have never shut up about the healing that God brought her life. Most God, one of the most godly people I've ever been around. And I couldn't understand why God wouldn't answer that prayer, but it wasn't to be. And it's at those times that you ask yourself and you ask God, so what's the deal? What's the deal? You want another biblical superstar whose prayer wasn't answered the way that he, he liked and wanted it prayed and the way he prayed it? This superstar was in the Garden of Gethsemane, and he said, Father, if you are willing, please let this cup of suffering pass from me, yet I, will, I want your will, not mine. Jesus, the very Son of God in human flesh, prayed. He, was, he saw the crucifixion coming up. He saw the anguish of the, of the cross. He saw all, the, all, all of the pain that he was going to endure. He sensed it, 
And so in His human flesh, like you and like me, He prayed for that to pass. God didn't answer His prayer. Or God did answer His prayer. Because at the tail end of His prayer, He said, but not my will, but yours be done. And so Jesus had to die. But it's at times when we have people like this, and I wonder if Mary asked the question as she watched her son die on the cross, God, what's the deal? In Luke 1, it says, the angel told her, he will be great and he will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will, be, will, will, will give him the throne of, the, of his father David. He will reign over the house of Jacob forever and his kingdom will have no end. That's before he was born. The angel was telling Mary this. She had to be asking herself, what's the deal? Why does he have to die? It couldn't, it couldn't have seemed that that, that way, that, that as she watched him die on the cross, she, she didn't see him in a victorious state. All of it just didn't add up. For Mary, it came clear a few days later when Jesus rose from the dead. And when she heard that he was alive, it must have, it, it must have begun to, then to make sense. For me, the Marlene residence event hasn't clicked in yet. I still don't know why. Which brings me to point number two. And that's the purpose of our praying. The purpose of our praying may very well be to change us. Honestly, it's, it, it's probably the most important part of prayer. God commands us to pray. Because He wants to change us, not the other way around. I've told you this story before, how the prayer... Uh, ladies were meeting for several weeks and they were praying for me to be a better preacher. And one of them boldly came up to me and said, we're praying for you and you're going to be a better preacher. About three weeks later, she came up to me and she said, you know what? You are a better preacher. Now, I don't know if my preaching changed, if I improved, but something changed in her heart that made me appear to be a better preacher. And I'll bet you a dime to a dollar it was her heart that changed. Amen? Because, see, God does that. One day, three men were hiking, and they were unexpectedly, uh, they came upon a large, raging, violent river. They needed to get to the other side, but had no idea how to do so. And the first man prayed, saying, please, God, give me the strength to cross this river. Poof! God gave him big arms, strong legs, and he was able to swim across the river in about two hours. Uh, he almost drowned a couple of times, but he made it. Seeing this, the second man prayed to God, God, please give me the strength and the tools to cross the river. Poof! God gave him a rowboat and he was able to cross, row across that river in about an hour. Even though he almost capsized, he still got across. And the third man, who had seen how all this worked, especially when the other two, he prayed, said, God, please give me the strength and the tools and the intelligence to cross this river. And poof, God turned him into a woman. She looked at the map, hiked upstream a couple hundred yards, and then walked across the bridge. Yeah. Instead of thinking that prayer is about changing God, I think it's much more accurate to say that prayer is about changing us. Jesus told a little story to his followers about prayer in Luke 18. He said, one day Jesus told his disciples a story to illustrate their need for constant prayer and to show them that they must never give up. There was a judge in a certain city who was a godless man with great contempt for everyone. A widow of that city came to him repeatedly, appealing for justice against someone who had harmed her. The judge ignored her for a while, but eventually she wore him out. 
I fear neither God nor man, he said to himself, but this woman is driving me crazy. I'm going to see that she gets justice because she's wearing me out with her constant requests. And I don't want you to get confused here. The point isn't that nagging God will eventually get you what you want. Jesus is using a hyperbole, an exaggeration for effect. He's not saying God is like this judge because, in essence, God is nothing like this judge. Because if you'll think about it, the description of this judge was that he was godless, uncaring, he was contrary, he, he, he was predisposed to saying no, he was a flip-flopper, and he was resentful of this woman's constant coming upon him. God's not like that. In fact, number three, God, through prayer, number three, prayer enhances our relationship with God. Prayer is about a relationship. When I talk with my wife, when I spend time with her, I come to know her better. I come to understand how I can please her. Cindy's been in Dallas for Parents Weekend with Mark. So I text messaged Mark last night and I said, has your mother behaving herself? I got back a ha, 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 ha. I don't know how to interpret that. But I'm sure they've had a wonderful time together. But the more I know her and the more I'm with her, the more I understand her. The more I can communicate with her and the better my relationship with her is. I love her now 30 years into marriage than I did the first day that I married her because I know more about her. I know she has staying power. You understand what staying power means? When the rough times come, she doesn't bail out. When the tough times come, she stayed right there. And trust me, living with me is, is there's tough times. Maybe there is with you as well. But in my relationship with her, I love her more because she's been willing to stick with me through the thick and through the thin, through the good and through the bad. But I believe that was the vow we made one to another, was it not? There's no reason to bail out. I need to find out what it is about me that irritates her and make those changes. I need her to talk to me and, be, and feel safe to tell me here's what it is without me blowing up and throwing things around the room. I need to hear from her. Why? Because God put her in my life for a reason. I am a better man today because of that girl I met 30 years ago. I'm a better man today. And my boys, my boys will attest to the power of their mother in their life. Prayer is about me understanding what God has for me to do. It's about me bending my will to His. He's not a Santa Claus or a genie that just sits there and grants wishes. He's the creator of the universe who has everything under control, including my life. Jeremiah 29, 11 says, I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. They are plans for good to give you a future and a hope. Prayer gets me in touch with God at a deeper level. Number four reason for prayer is that prayer helps me trust God more. There's a great verse in Genesis uh, eighteen twenty-five in reference to God. It says that, that God will not, will not the judge of all the earth do right. I've already said that I don't understand why some of my prayers haven't been answered the way that I, I would have liked them to be answered, but that doesn't mean that I don't trust God. I don't trust Him less because of that. God, He's God and I'm not. He knows and I don't. Because on this side of glory, I am still bound by the limitations of this side of glory. 
But on the other side, I will see perfectly. I will see clearly the, the will of God. And I will be with God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. But while I struggle here, He's the CEO. And I've got to trust Him. I've got to trust Him. He's going to lead me. Those Colorado Buffaloes trusted their coach, didn't they? They trusted their coach. The Auburn Tigers trusted their coach. Knocked off the number one, or number four this year, but the, the, the defending uh, national champions. Because you've got to trust the coach. He may call a play, you don't quite get it. Go do it. When your boss says, I need you to go do this job, you don't want to go do that job. So you have an option. Don't go do the job, you may not have a job. Or just go do the job with humble spirit and with a sweet spirit and watch a blessing come from God. Amen? Sure. Sure. Once the power went off at an elementary school and the cook couldn't serve a hot meal in the cafeteria, she had to feed the children something, so at the last minute she whipped up some great... Uh, a great stack of peanut butter and jelly sandwiches. And one of the little boys was filling his plate. And he said, oh, it's about time. At last, a home-cooked meal. <laughs> oh, God knows more about what we need than we even know what we need. Sometimes he gives us what we really need, not what we ask for. If my boys ask for ice cream for breakfast... I wouldn't give it to them. Now, it's okay for me. But I wouldn't give it to them because they need something a lot more nutritious, something to carry them through the day. Even if they ask nicely, they don't get ice cream for breakfast. I know better than they do about what they needed growing up for breakfast. Sometimes God gives us something better than we ask for. I read the story this week of a young lady and uh, she was raised by, a, she was giving a testimony at her church. And she, was, she had been raised by a biker dad when he and, her, and the girl's mother divorced. She was quite young when it all happened. Her dad was a very inattentive man to her and her needs. And when he threw wild parties with other biker guys, she would often find herself in compromising positions. Though miraculously nothing ever happened, she attributed that to just sheer luck. Then one day her mother showed up after 12 years. They developed a friendship and the woman giving the testimony at the church said that she discovered her mother and her mother's family had been praying for her for all those years. She concluded her testimony by saying, I no longer consider myself lucky. No, luck had nothing to do with it. Prayer changed my life and he can change yours too. Now that's a powerful testimony Here's a prayer I know that God will answer, without a doubt. He, Romans 10, 13 says, Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Isn't it about time that you put your trust in something other than yourself? God really does know what He's doing. No matter if it's a matter of... He knows what He's doing. And, and, and no matter what you might think about it, he knows what's best. And the thing that He wants you and me to do is to simply trust Him.
pray with me as the worship team comes to get ready to lead us in our invitation. Father, I just want to thank you. I want to thank you for loving us. I want to thank you for forgiving us. I want to thank you for being who you've always said you were. I want to thank you for your care for us. I want to thank you for your forgiveness. I want to thank you for your, your pure love. Father, there are people in this room who need a fire built in their soul. They've grown so complacent. They've grown so satisfied. They've gotten so busy that serving you is a secondary thought in their life. Father, there are parents that have children that need to have them at church. Every possible time that the doors are open, that they can bring their child to be exposed to God's Word, they need to do it. Would you press on their heart about that? Father, would you un undo some of the busyness? Would you give them an alternative so they could find a way to serve you more? Father, there's phone calls that need to be made this week. I think of Jim Ralston that we haven't seen in a few weeks. Father, would, would somebody take on their heart to call Jim and just encourage him? Would somebody give Brother Ralph a call just to let him know we're praying for him, thinking of him? Uh, Father, there's, there's others that escape my mind right now. James Watson, I, I missed him this morning. Maybe somebody will take the time this week to care for him, to give him a call. Father, there's so much to be done. It doesn't have to be up front. It can be in the background. But Father, there's so much to be done. So many people that still need to be taught. So many people that need to be led. Our children need workers and helpers. Father, before we can bring a youth minister again in here, we need to make sure that we're all in a position of help. We're all, and we're all in a position of, of making sure that that structure and that foundation is there so the kids know that somebody loves them and cares about them. Father, I thank you for this church. I thank you for their patience with this their preacher. Because, Father, I have made a myriad of mistakes. I have hurt a lot of people over the years, I'm sure, with the things that I've said and the way I say them, never intending to inflict harm. But Satan will take every opportunity to create a division. So, Father, would you, in your, in your wisdom and in your love, bathe all of that and wash it away. God, we've got one of the nicest churches in town. We've got a church full of people that just love you and love each other. And, Father, we need to deepen our relationships with each other. We need to be more on fire about each other. We need to speak well of each other out in the public arena. But, Father, this morning, this morning, as we are praying right now, leaning on you, trusting in you, would you move in someone today? In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let's stand as Dan leads us in our song of invitation this morning. <clears throat>
service was a blessing to you tonight six o'clock be back we're going to have a great time of singing i know shelly's singing and probably Lindsay. and who knows i may call four or five of you up and we'll just have a little sing song going on but it's going to be a lot of fun i hope that river oaks will come back and be here be represented well as we host uh, the fifth sunday sing i think it's the first time we've done it and uh, i don't know forever but at least in a long long time so hopefully you can come back and be a part of that and find that in your, in your thing all right and the kids, the kids are singing tonight. That's right. The Wednesday night, the Sprouts of the Rock, they're singing. Tonight. So you got to have them back here, okay? Those rocky sprouts, bring them up here at 530. Praise God. All right. And the parents of preteen kids, we have a quick uh, lunch for you and a quick meeting right after church this morning. So uh, don't rush off if you have kids and you're a parent in that group. All right. Who has our closing prayer? I forgot to look. Anybody? Jeff, who's got it over there? Brother Brad, he's in the back working, so I'm going to lean on Brian to have the closing <laughs> prayer this morning, the twin. All right, amen. Then Brother Dan. <laughs>